Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Church, it's good to be with you again. It's Pastor Jim. If you are tuning in for the first time, uh, it's great to be able to worship uh, wherever we are, uh, in whatever state we're in. Uh, God's arms are open to us, and He's waiting for us to enter into His presence and spend time with Him. And so that is what we're going to do today. Uh, I want to continue in a series of studies we've been doing on Sunday mornings called uh, Jesus is Not King. And that's uh, that provocative title comes from the fact that. In the Gospels, the people tried to force Jesus to be their king, and Jesus resisted their attempts to make him king. In the Old Testament, there was a time where the people demanded a king from God, and God said, no, 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 a king is not what you want. Don't insist on that. But they did, and so God let them have it anyway. So we're looking at this this strange relationship uh, that the people of God have to power, and God's view of that that, uh, need for power that often exists among us uh, in the series called Jesus is Not King. And what I want to look at today is a particular way that we can curb our own wills to make way for God's will in our lives. Uh, That's what we're going to look at now uh, based on a scripture in Matthew chapter 6. So uh, if you've got your Bible in front of you, uh, go ahead and turn off the social media, turn off the other uh, streams of noise and information, Let's focus on God's word, Matthew chapter 6, in which Jesus teaches his disciples how to go out about a spiritual discipline that curbs our own will in order to invite God's will into our lives. Matthew 6 at verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So these are the teachings of Jesus. And what he says is, when you fast, here's how to do it. Fasting is a discipline that the people of God have practiced throughout history. From the very early days in the Hebrew scriptures, we see people fasting. And it was the act of giving up, usually food, and usually for a day. uh, Where for a day, people would not eat to dedicate themselves to prayer. And in those those hunger pangs that uh, welled up in their stomachs would drive them to their knees in prayer to say, God, I need you more than I need food. Uh, I need you to hear my prayers more than I need to eat. Uh, I need to be satisfied by heavenly things more than I need to be satisfied by earthly things. And Jesus says, when you do that, 
Do it so that you can commune with your Father in heaven. Don't do it to get attention from people around you. Now, in modern-day America, there are not a lot of people fasting to get attention, except maybe dietary fasting. There's a lot of people doing intermittent fasting to get attention because they've got uh, rock-hard rock hard abs, right? Uh, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. He says, don't, don't practice religious rituals to call attention to your religiosity. Don't try to put your, your faith on display so that people will pat you on the back and talk about what a great spiritual person you are. Instead, when you do it, focus on your relationship with God. Now let's talk a little bit about what fasting is. Uh, historically, uh, the people of God have always practiced fasting. It exists all throughout the Hebrew scriptures. The Bible that Jesus read was filled with stories of people fasting when they repented or when they made important decisions. Jesus, before he begins his earthly ministry, goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and is tempted by Satan. And there he fasts during that period of time. Jesus assumed that we, the people of God, would fast, because he says right here in Matthew, he goes, when you do it, here's how to do it. In other words, I know you're going to, so when you do, here are the guidelines. And then in the New Testament, we see the disciples of Jesus fasting when they go out on their missionary journeys. Throughout the history of all of Christianity, followers of Jesus have consistently fasted during times of intense prayer. Jesus expects us to fast today. And yet when we did a little survey of real life church uh, a little less than a year ago, it looked like less than half of us had ever tried it. I think it's because many of us have never heard of it and don't understand how it works and what it does. So I want to talk a little bit about fasting today because in the big subject of power, I want to talk about something that curbs our wills in order to usher in God's will, that curbs our desires in order to strengthen our desire for God's kingdom. And that's what the practice of fasting does. I'll give you a couple of um, illustrations that uh, tell you uh, how fasting works, what it does. Not too long ago, there was a meteor shower. And I saw on the news, there's going to be a meteor shower. It's a big one. It's going to be beautiful. You have to go see it. The problem is, I live in a city. And when I look up, all I see is a, a few dim stars buried in the lights of the city. So a couple of families from the church and I drove up the back of a mountain road up to the top of a ridge where there, were, there's far, there was far less light and few cars. And it is amazing what the night sky looks like up there. You have no idea what's over your head all the time. During the day, we can't see it at all because it's buried by the sunlight. And at night, in the greater Los Angeles area, the city lights are so bright that you still can't see it. But if you find a dark little shadow somewhere behind a mountain or out in the desert, you can see that up above us, the Milky Way is an explosion of light. And as we sat up there in our lawn chairs with our kids talking and looking up at the sky, we saw meteor after meteor streaking across the sky. It would have been up there anyway. It would have been right over our heads. But we wouldn't have been able to see it if it was drowned out by the lights of the city. Well, the truth is, spiritually, the heavens are moving over our heads all the time. And we just miss it. We're too buried in other kinds of light. We're too busy listening to other kinds of voices to hear the voice of God. It's not that God is silent or that God doesn't want to speak to us. We're just buried in other kinds of sound. What fasting does is it cuts off those things that satisfy us temporarily in order to open us up to things that satisfy us spiritually, deepen our souls. 
Fasting is that act of turning off artificial lights in order to be open up to heavenly lights. If you think about it, eating has been the primary source of happiness for all human beings throughout history. If you have nothing else, food is the thing that makes you happy. And so to take time to dedicate yourself to prayer without food is a way of cutting yourself off from the things that remind us of our physical, material, earthly needs to say, I need God even more. Now, I know some people have uh, dietary issues or they have health conditions that prevent them from fasting, and I've seen those people take up fasts of other kinds of things. I've seen people fast from television or from social media or from coffee, uh, and those are, those are equally as valuable in cutting off earthly satisfactions in order to open, open ourselves up to God. Uh, again, let me give you another example of what fasting does. Fasting is a way of turning out the, the noise of the world to listen for the things that we're looking for. There was a story of a little girl who went to her dad's office on bring your kid to work day. And there were all these kids all over the office running around making noise and not a lot of work was getting done. As it turned out, as the day rolled along, uh, one of the men said that they had lost their pocket watch. They had this watch that they had carried around that their grandfather had given them, and they couldn't find it. And they thought maybe one of the kids had picked it up and moved it. So all the kids began looking for the lost watch. They looked up and down. Uh, nobody could find it. Nobody seemed to have it. And finally, this little girl said, I know how to find the watch. Everybody leave the office and go stand out in the hallway. Well, they were all so desperate at this point, uh, and it seemed like such a cute thing to do, that they, they gave in to her. They all went out in the hallway and left her alone in the office. A minute later, she opened the door, and there in her hand was the pocket watch. At first, they thought maybe she had taken it and hidden it somewhere, and this was all an elaborate prank on her part. But her dad said, how'd you find it? And she said, I just stood still, and I listened until I heard the ticking. God is speaking to you all the time. He wants to, to lavish you with his love, to call you into ministry and works of service in the world, to direct you into relationships that will change you and change the world. He's calling out to you all the time, but often we miss it because we're caught up in the worries of the world. We're caught up in the noise. We're caught up in the artificial light. And fasting is that act of saying, hey, I'm not going to get caught up with all the, the busyness and the, the temporal. I'm going to focus on the eternal. Uh, so I want to call the church to a new challenge. Uh, as you know, through the course of the last six months, as the world has faced challenges of its own, uh, we've taken on different challenges to help persevere and strengthen our souls. And I want to call you to a challenge in the month of October to fast. Uh, we're going to call it our October fast. And so from October 1st to October 31st, I challenge you to give up something that you often go to for temporary satisfaction. And any time in the month of October when you crave that thing, stop and pray. I wouldn't say give up food for a month. That's a bigger sacrifice than most of us are ready for. But, but give up soda or give up desserts or sugar. Give up television. A lot of us would be healthier if we'd give up social media for a month. Personally, I'm going to give up coffee for the month of October. And if you know me, you know what a sacrifice that is. And most of you will not want to get near me for about a month. But it'll be okay. 
I challenge you for the month of October to take up our October fast, to give up something that you normally go to for entertainment or satisfaction or peace, and in those moments where you hunger for it, turn to God in prayer. That'll be the challenge for this month, uh, and this is what I think uh, it will do in our lives. In addition to cutting off the things that distract us and the things that temporarily satisfy us, fasting chokes out spirits that have gotten a hold of us to do damage to us. Uh, there's a spirit of anxiety that runs through the world today, more severely than it ever has. It's running rampant in the world today. All kinds of people are worried and afraid and exhausted by their worries. And what fasting will do is help choke out the things that take control over us. Uh, it's like something that happened to me when I was a kid. I remember one time going camping when I was a kid, uh, and it was a bunch of dads and a bunch of sons, and we were out in tents, and we were going to make a big campfire and cook over the campfire that night. And I was one of the, the kids who was responsible for building the campfire. And so we piled up a bunch of wood all over the place. You know, when you're, when you're like 10 years old, your idea of a fire is cut down as many trees as you can, build a great big giant stack of wood. So we uh, built this big pile of, of lumber, and we tried to light it. And one of the dads says, no, no, it's not going to light because it doesn't have enough fuel. And so my friends and I said, fine, no problem. We went and we got more sticks and more logs and more wood, and we threw it on top of the pile. So the pile was even bigger. And then we tried to light it. And he goes, no, 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 it's not going to light because it doesn't have enough fuel. So he said, no problem. So we went and we grabbed bigger logs and bigger sticks and more bark, and we threw it all on top of the pile. The pile was almost taller than me now, and we tried to light it, and he goes, it's not going to light. It doesn't have enough fuel. And we said, what do you mean? And he went to our pile, and he disassembled it, and he scattered all the logs and all the sticks and all the bark. He spread it all out, and then he built a tiny little pile with lots of passageways through which air could move. And underneath this little pile of sticks with lots of ventilation, he lit a little kindling, and it caught fire, which caught the sticks on fire and started the fire burning. He said, a fire's fuel is oxygen, and without air, a fire can't breathe. You were putting so much logs on it, it couldn't get to what it needed most. Well, a lot of us in this season are running to the things that make us anxious, thinking that if we get more of them, it will give us peace. I need more news. I need more information. I need to know more, more of what's going on in the world. I need more control over things. I need to tell more people what they're supposed to be doing. We're throwing wood on top of wood on top of wood, and the fire can't burn because it's getting no fuel. Our hearts need to strangle out Strangle out the things that are bad for us. Strangle out our anxiety and make room for the fuel that will actually give us peace and life. And so in the course of October, it might be good to give up social media. It, it might be good to give up the, the daily habit of looking at your phone all day long and just pick a little window of time in which you're going to look at it and no more. It might be good to strangle out the things that are not good for you in order to make way for fuel that will actually give you life. A lot of us are trying to feed the need with things that are working in the opposite direction. And we need to actually focus on things that will give us peace. Uh, or again, uh, some people in uh, the world today have just been uh, overwhelmed by a spirit of anger. Uh, anxiety and anger are the two that are just bullying humanity right now. And, and in our anger, we think, well, I can, I can force more people to do what I want. I can, I can vote the right people into power. I can scold the people who are doing wrong. 
And anger is just coming out in all sorts of ways today. Jesus taught us to strangle out anger by fasting from it. When he said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them the left cheek as well. Don't hit back. What a spirit of anger wants more than anything else is for us to hit back. If we hit back, anger grows. What Jesus wants is for us to starve out that spirit of anger by fasting from angry reactions. And some of us in the month of October need to curb our anger in order to make way for peace. And the way we're going to do that is by not answering back every time somebody makes us angry. That spirit needs to be choked out in order to make way for a fuel that will really give us life through prayer and time with Jesus. So in the month of October, uh, I'm going to challenge you to fast. And uh, if you're asking, so what should I pray for? What do I need to pray for during that season? Let me encourage you to pray for three things. One, pray to hear the voice of God. That's most important. When you hear God guiding you and directing you, that shapes everything else. So every day, spend time with Jesus saying, Jesus, I don't want to just give you a litany of requests. I don't want to just pour out on you all my needs. I actually want you to speak to me. Jesus, speak into my heart. Speak into my life. And then begin to listen. Listen for the Bible verses that come to mind. Listen to the images that God gives you. If you feel a nagging sense that you need to forgive someone or be gracious to someone, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Pay attention to the images that God brings to mind as you pray. But open yourself up to the voice of God and then pause and listen for it. Don't pray for it and then run and get busy. Don't pray for it and then run and go, go do your errands for the day. Stop and wait and let God speak. Secondly, Pray that during the election season, which is coming up here shortly, we're in the season, the election is coming up shortly. Pray that in this season, the people of God would be the people of God. Right now, I see the people of God running around anxious and angry and acting like everyone else. Pray that in this season, the people of God would be the people of God. Do you really think that the things that are most important in this world depend on who gets elected? Think about this for a minute. What God wants more than anything else is for his kingdom to spread in the world. And there are more people converting to Christianity right now in China and Iran than in America. Does God's kingdom really depend on our kingdoms? Or is God focused on something very different than what we like to focus on? Come December, come January, come February, God's vision, Jesus' vision for his people is that when all this is said and done, the world around us would look at us and say, yeah, but no matter what happened, the Christians were so loving. The Christians were so gracious. I just can't believe it. Whether they got what they wanted or not, they were so loving. Whether the world was a mess or it was healing, they were so loving. When everybody else was anxious and angry, they were so loving. That's Jesus' vision for the church. And so that's what we should pray for in October that in the election season, the people of God would be the people of God. Thirdly, I want to ask that you pray for something for the church specifically. Uh, as you know, here at Real Life, we moved into this building. How long ago did we move in here? We moved in here Easter a year and a half ago, a year and a quarter ago, right? 
Uh, and it has flown by, uh, and it has provided for many needs, including unexpected needs. When we can't meet in the building, we have a beautiful parking lot outside in which we meet for worship services at 9 o'clock on Sundays now. But the day will come where our lease expires in April. Uh, the people who own the building love us and like having us here. We have a good relationship with them. Uh, maybe we'll continue to rent a home here. Maybe God will call us to buy a home. We are a church on the move and always have been. I ask that you pray for the church. Pray for our vision. Pray for our future. And pray that God would pave the way. Pray for those three things in October. As you fast, as you give up something that you know is a distraction for you, as you give up something that you know, if you sacrifice it, you'll remember, and that will drive you to prayer. Pray for these three things. Pray that you would hear the voice of God. Pray that in this season, the people of God would be the people of God. And pray for the future of real life church, that we'd continue to stay close to God's calling for us. Those are three worthy prayers in the month of October. And here's my anticipation. This is what I think God is going to do with us in October. Uh, not too long ago, I had to drive out to Ojai. Uh, I've told some of you before, there was a student staying at my house who had been living at a boarding school that closed in March. Well, they, they opened up a little bit again, and so uh, we drove her back to her school. And in driving her back to her school, I was on this old country road with the kids in the car, and we came to this place where traffic was stopped. And it was stopped, and we sat there. And we sat there, and the traffic didn't move, so we sat there some more. And the time was ticking, and we needed to get to the school, and we sat there. And I tried to look around the car in front of me, and I tried to peek over this way, and I stuck my head out the window, and I tried to see what was going on, and I couldn't figure out why all the cars were stopped. And so I started to consult with the kids in the car, and I thought, you know what I should do? I should just drive around all these cars, because somewhere up there, there's got to be a way down this road. I'll just speed around them all, and I'll go, I don't know why they're stopped. Maybe they're looking at the flowers or something. I'll just go around them. Who is the kid in the car in this picture? Uh, well, eventually the, the traffic started moving again, and we slowly moved up, and I was looking to see what had happened up there. Well, up at the front, there was a spot where they were doing construction on the road, and the road narrowed to a single lane. And there at the point where it narrowed to a single lane was a traffic officer steering cars on the way and telling cars coming from the other direction to stop. And then she would switch, and she would let the cars come from this direction for a while and stop the cars coming from the other direction. And if I had sped ahead and gone around all those cars, I would have gotten stuck. I would have just made a mess of things. I would have gotten in the way of the cars that actually needed to go. It's so easy in the year 2020 to say, my will be done, not God's. I'm going to speed ahead. I'm going to race around all these people who don't know what they're doing. Clearly, there's something wrong up front, and when I get up there, it'll fix it because I'm there. It's time in this season that we say to our own will, to our anxiety-driven will, to our anger-driven will, it's time for us to say, ho, ho, hold on, wait, wait. We're going to let God's will be done. Just stay right there. Watch what happens. And that's what fasting does. Fasting says, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Stop chasing after the things you usually go for and let God bring you peace in this season. May God do that for you. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your will is better than ours. And when it's so 
uncertain. When we look at your will and think, what on earth could you be doing? Surely I need to fix this myself. I thank you that we have the option of obedience. I ask that you put in our hearts a spirit of patience and obedience, that we would surrender our will to yours, that we would give up our need to rush ahead when you're telling us to wait. Teach us to live by faith and by patience, for grace and for love, that Jesus' kingdom would be known. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.